listening to Good Morning, the podcast talking all things grief with honesty and humour. I bet you guys didn't expect to hear from us twice in one week, but we are actually back with a very special bonus episode of Good Morning. Sal, can you tell us what we're talking about today? I absolutely can. But first, Im, are you not going to do an Eminem rap no, intro no, today? No, mate. No, mate. That is a one-take wonder. That's not happening. Oh, soz, soz everyone to just, let you down. You're so good. Um, guys, today is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day, and it's a day that honours pregnancy loss and infant death. And one of the, I guess, the things impacts a lot of women that we don't talk about but it causes a lot of grief and heartache is miscarriage and early pregnancy loss unfortunately this type of loss still does not get enough airtime does it in no it doesn't and it really should and it can be so incredibly isolating so we wanted to chat to a woman who is changing that samantha Payne, who is the co-founder and ceo of the pink elephants support network She's brilliant, isn't she, Sal? She is absolutely brilliant and she is doing such important and big work here in Australia to support women who um, have experienced early pregnancy loss. And I actually read on the Pink Elephant Support Network website that um, each year in Australia, a hundred to 150,000 women experience the heartbreak of losing a baby during, during pregnancy, which that's a massive number, isn't it? Mm, and just thinking about those stats, imagine the amount of women out there that are feeling alone in what they're going through as well. So many. And, you know, from p- speaking from experience of having a miscarriage, it is one of those things, I think, that you don't necessarily know how to articulate it or to talk about it. So you might keep it to yourself. Or it's one of those things that when you do say something, I found a lot of people go, oh, yeah, I've been through that as well. But we don't talk about it openly. So it's one of those things that, you know, it kind of stays in the shadows. But we need to talk about it more. And this conversation was so, so important because I think it can be what they call a a disenfranchised grief, kind of in, you know, it's it's a, a type of grief that society might not always acknowledge as being and I say this in inverted commas, valid, but it absolutely is. That is not okay. It's not so okay, is it? All the more reason to be having these conversations. Absolutely. And you know, if you have experienced pregnancy loss, we really hope that this conversation brings some extra comfort and support. And if you guys are listening and you know anyone who might benefit from listening to this episode as well, please do share it with them. Okay, guys, enough of us. Let's jump into this really important conversation with Sam Payne from Pink Elephants Grief Support Network. Sam, it is so great to have you join us today. You are making a massive difference in the lives of so many, and it's safe to say Im and I are big fans. So welcome to the pod. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Really grateful to be here. To start, Sam, would you mind telling us a little bit about your personal journey and what led you to create the pink elephants yeah sure um like most founders like yourselves I'd had lived experience so it was actually after my second miscarriage um but I started to feel really anxious um I was struggling a lot with my mental health and I just couldn't really find a way forward and I didn't really know how to deal with it and I asked for help and there wasn't any help so I wasn't, there was nowhere to go to if you'd had a miscarriage in Australia at that point in 2015. 
Um, so a friend connected me to another friend, um, Gabby, who had lived experience of early pregnancy loss. And when we met for a coffee, it kind of just felt like a weight had lifted off my shoulders. It was that beautiful connection. You guys get it, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my God, someone else. Like, you don't think I'm crazy. You're not trying to fix me. You're not at leasting me. <laughs> here for me and like then it was that point where we were like okay we need to do this for other people this is what everyone deserves you deserve that connection with another person and we started to do some research and you kept being told that miscarriage is common one in four pregnancies end in loss and I was like okay so it's a huge volume of people yet there is nothing there for us why is that what is the gap um and we started to do some focus groups and things and yeah it was just basically after that second miscarriage I decided that enough was enough it was time and that people deserve support and I couldn't be the only one that wanted something that wasn't there mm-hmm. and I, I think that's been testimonial to our growth Pink Elephants has grown not because we did anything amazing but because we created what was needed because that was what we people genuinely wanted so yeah and that's kind of my story amazing sam and you're making such a difference and i think him and i can really resonate with that you know we sometimes speak to media and they'll ask us questions about grief and i'm sure you get the same kind of questions and you think this is mental because this has been around way longer than we have why are you asking us questions like this is a new thing Mm. it's just Mm. so needed and it's it's one of those things isn't it you know, you get told, oh, this is quite a common experience. I had a miscarriage and the doctor said, really sorry, but it's actually quite normal. But it still doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm just going to crack on then. Like people need support, don't they? And they need to feel validated. Yeah. And that's it. It's the validation that's the biggest part for us. We see that time and time again, that the wider society, those that haven't gone through it, health professionals, workplaces, just general people meet people with at least it happened earlier. It's common. All of those things that leave you to feel like you, you're not, you shouldn't be feeling this grief at this depth. And they kind of disenfranchise the grief. And that's what's so difficult about early pregnancy loss. It is not seen. And therefore it needs to be met with this empathy and understanding. And that can genuinely at this moment in time and culture it is more often than not that comes from lived experience and that's kind of the connections that we foster for people it's so important isn't it to share those stories because that's how we create change we ease loneliness we make it part of the mainstream narrative what sam what stigmas do you think are most common when it comes to this type of loss um, for early pregnancy loss, so we define that in Australia as a loss prior to 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. It's different across the world, but let's just kind of look at that for this purpose here. It's very much that that it's not seen as a real grief mm-hmm. because no one else can see our babies. So no one else has had this gestation in mind is kind of the psychological term for it. So no one else is connected to that baby as much as the mother and potentially the pe- the partner as well. And so for them, that loss is incredibly real. They are grieving the loss of the future of hopes and dreams, a baby that they thought would have been in their arms in the next six to nine months, a child starting kindy in a few years. All of those milestones are now just not there, right? And that's what they're grieving. But because it's not seen, so later term loss, like stillbirth, will obviously have um, a funeral, cremation, whatever that chosen path is for those parents. And it is seen because the baby can be seen. So what's really difficult about early pregnancy loss is it's further disenfranchised because people can't see it. So then it's met with all of this really difficult um, narrative around it, false narratives around that it doesn't matter. It wasn't really a baby yet. Um, It's an embryo. It's a bunch of cells. All of those really insensitive terms that 
to the person who has been trying to have that baby who's fallen pregnant, it is their baby. And it's just, yeah, it's heartbreaking and devastating. And there's that 12-week rule, isn't there, that, like, unspoken rule, which I don't know if I genuinely agree with. I mean, it's totally up to the individual, but... I think that's probably the reason why a lot of people are grieving in silence with those early pregnancy losses because you're not supposed to tell anyone yeah. up until it's 13 weeks. So it's almost like it doesn't count until that point, which I think is ridiculous as well, right? Yeah, 100%. And we see that play out time and time again. And I agree with you what you said there earlier, Amy, is that it's personal choice, right? So yeah. we're not saying tell everyone on social media and splash out your pregnancy from the moment you have a test. If you want to do that, amazing. But if you don't, you don't, you don't have to. But what we advocate for is if you can share with those closest to you, your circle of support, then if you have a pregnancy loss they're going to be there for you. They will be able to support you better because you're not finding yourself in a position like I did years ago and like many do still today where you're having to tell people you were pregnant and now you're not pregnant in the same sentence. Yeah. And it's it's hard. I haven't had a miscarriage, but I did have an experience when I was pregnant in the early stages with my daughter and I went to get the, the my GP was doing the Doppler to find the heartbeat and she couldn't find the heartbeat and then I, I got rushed to straight to get an ultrasound but in those moments like the panic and the fear like it was so overwhelming and all-consuming like I can imagine for people that you know when it does end up in miscarriage the devastation that that can cause for so many people. Is there any early intervention that can be helpful for people experiencing pregnancy loss? For us, the early intervention that we advocate for most is a connection to a support organisation like mm. Pink Elephants um, because there is no one else other than those with lived experience who have walked that path that can truly meet you with that empathy and understanding that you deserve. So we provide online communities where you can connect with others. We provide live chat where you can chat to what's called one of our volunteers who are peer support companions or you can book a phone call and speak to a peer support companion over the phone as well. But we find that that early intervention support makes a huge difference because it is like you wake up in this different sea almost you're in this completely different land this different place and you go from everything's fine I'm walking along in this pregnancy and and potentially it's your first pregnancy and you've never had loss before you're really excited and you're like making plans and you're going forward with all of this and then it is literally in a matter of seconds your world changes like we've heard it described like a trap door opens and you fall and there's no one there to catch you um and it, it is that so for us that connection piece and Brené Brown talks a lot about it the connection is the antidote to isolation right and that's what we want to see as early intervention provide everyone with connection and then what we do is we have our online communities are moderated and our companions are trained to be able to spot if someone's really struggling and if they are then we can kind of message them and say do you know there's other pathways for support you could reach out to your GP you could get a mental health care plan you could see a um, a counsellor or a therapist now the danger is if we don't provide that early intervention peer support then those people that really, really are struggling will just continue to isolate themselves further and they won't even get any type of support. So, yeah, for us, I think the the sooner we can connect people into organisations like Pink Elephants when they're going through loss, the better we can. We can never take away the grief, you know that, right? It, it doesn't go away, but we can hold safe spaces where they can be themselves in that moment and not feel judged in any way. Absolutely, because it is so isolating and because we don't talk about it as openly in society people 
don't realize that there's support out there they feel shame they're confused you know it just blew my mind when you were just talking about your story that it was 2015 Mm -hmm. and there was nothing out there that's not that long ago you know it's really it's so important the work you're doing and and also I think people don't realize that grief and early pregnancy loss it's physically exhausting and there's a lot of physical elements that you're coping with as well right on top of the emotional um, yeah, it's aspect. like it's postpartum, right? You, you, many women will have what's known as a DNC or an ERPC, which is a horrific term for what it actually is, but it's the removal of your baby, baby surgically. But you kind of go into hospital pregnant, you leave hospital no longer pregnant without your baby and nowhere to turn to for support. And then you will still have things like you do in the postpartum experience as well, like your hormones will drop. You have those drivers. And there's no one there saying, hey, this is normal. This is what you can feel. And that exacerbates the grief as well. And you kind of end up in this space of, oh, should I be feeling this way or not? And then I've had also what's called a natural, and I'm doing that in inverted commas because I hate this term, but a natural miscarriage where I'd started to miscarry uh, by bleeding and I couldn't get into a hospital um, for two days. So it was like, just, just go with it. And they said to me, it'd be like a heavy period. Now, I'd already had a daughter at this point. So I had a two-year-old. It was not like a heavy period. I had full-blown contractions at three in the morning and I passed that baby in the shower alone. And I was meant to just pick myself up. I was meant to just be okay with that that trauma, that the blood was a a massive amount for someone who'd never been ill and I didn't know what was normal or not. I didn't want to go to hospital because I didn't want to be seen as crazy and present an ED for what's just a miscarriage is what people keep telling me. but I, and then I remember trying to keep parts of the baby because it was my second loss. And I was like, I need testing. I need to know what's wrong with me. But then it was like, oh, well, actually, if you look on Google, most women will flush that baby down the toilet. And you shouldn't have to make these decisions by yourself. And, and that's what I had to do. And it wasn't good enough. But it's still that way now for many women. I'm talking eight years later. So you've read to 2015. I could find women today who will have a very similar experience because the health system hasn't caught on quick enough yet. It's just, I mean, awful. And you're right, it's not a heavy period at all, is it? If You know, it's no. really not. And it's incredibly painful. It's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, that's, it's not okay. And, and Sam, what change would you want to see? Like, in an ideal world, if you could wave the magic wand today, like, what changes can be made to make this experience and this, this, this situation better? Um, for me, it starts with awareness and then everyone waking up to the reality of early pregnancy loss. Let's get rid of all these false narratives that it's just a heavy period. It happens early, so women just move on and we'll fall pregnant. And once we're pregnant, we're totally fixed. We can forget about all of that. So for me, it's shifting the societal narratives to actually for many parents, it's the loss of their baby. They deserve the space and time to grieve and to heal and to move forward in however way they choose to move forward. Know that that baby will often be part of their lives forever. Um and that's okay. Let's normalize that. Let's meet women and partners with the same empathy and validation as we do for later term loss, because I firmly believe that all losses are a loss that deserve to be met with empathy. I don't feel like we should do this gestation of six weeks versus 26 weeks. Obviously, medically, they might present differently, but to the parent, it's a loss. So it starts there, but then that awareness and that change hopefully will lead to change within our health system, um, whereby we're not having women wake up on maternity wards after a and see oh god 
we're not having women present their EDs and be told it's a heavy period, go home, take some Panadol, where they are given the validation they deserve through the health system. Now, there are many wonderful doctors and OBS and guys that we do a lot of work with in this space that do, but there are many that don't still. And it's dangerous because what we're doing is we're adding to trauma. So it's already, um, I know that you had um, Joanne on from the States and talks about the reversal of grief and trauma and, like the, sorry, the reversal of life order and how it can be traumatic. And that's what this is. This is a death that passes within you. It exists inside you. And many women will refer to themselves as coffins. So we need to wake up to the really emotional trauma that is part of early pregnancy loss and stop minimizing it as it happened early, we just get on with it. That's the biggest part for me. There's so much more wider systems change, but that also will take time and it's not going to happen overnight. I want it to happen today, but I know it's not going to. So it starts for me with awareness and kind of doing things like this, normalizing conversations, talking about it so that this gets validated just like any other type of bereavement. So much work to do and just a lot of, still a lot of education needs to be done as well. So it's brilliant what you guys are doing. I, the other week I was getting an ultrasound on my breast and I was talking to the lady about what we do for work and she was really interested in, in, you know, talking about grief and loss. And she said, you know, one of the hardest parts of her job is delivering the news and they don't get taught how to deal with that or the aftermath there's nothing to give the person on the receiving end in terms of resources so it's just brilliant what you're doing and I'd love to get into how grief can impact the grief of a pregnancy loss can impact relationships because I think that's another topic that doesn't get discussed enough and I think there's probably a lot of support for the women but the men are going through it as well and also trying to hold their partner up during that time can you tell us a little bit about how you know it could impact partners and what could help yeah sure um we see a lot of this again um, partners are not met with the validation they deserve because to your point they're put into this support role so mm. they see their wife their girlfriend their loved one going through the most traumatic awful time and they want to often find a way to help her or fix the situation and so that can be a bit of a conflict as well and then they're not ever asked how they're doing what were their hopes and dreams for that baby how is their grief what does it feel like for them and not to say it's worse or less if you have more or many left, many losses, but again, it can be compounded if someone's had lots of losses and we keep to focus on the woman, but we forget to ask the partner how they're doing too. And we, we see that come up time and time again. Um, University of Adelaide have done some great research around this on partners and grandparents and their experience of grief through miscarriage and stillbirth. And it comes out that it's exactly the same. They need also empathy, validation, connection to others from peer support who go through loss. The problem is society's not there yet. We're not we're not even anywhere near halfway doing what partners and male males need, if it is a male partner as well, but we're not. We're just we're still only just touching on what the woman needs. And there's so much more that she still needs that the partners are getting left on the wayside as well. Um, we provide a partner support, but we don't do anywhere near enough. But for us it comes back to funding as well. It's like for eight years building a national charity and funding it yourselves without any ongoing government support has been an incredible challenge in itself. So we can't keep doing more until we get some support, significant support to extend out into partners. But yeah, they're, they're in a, I just see it time and time again. Do you know what we also see, which is really beautiful? Lots of partners who are running things like marathons and things like that for us, they're going over and above. And what they don't know in that moment is that's actually an example of translational grieving. It, it's, their, it's their grief for their baby. 
And yes, they're showing support for their loved one and their wife and girlfriend, whoever's gone through the loss, but they're also going through it. And part of that is that kind of translational grief where they're doing something and they feel a need to do that. And then the last thing I'll say is communications. We often hear from women, they feel like their partner's not grieving. And that's not the case. It's just that often grief presents differently for different people. And it's not even just gendered. It's actually the way that I grieve is quite translational. That's pink elephants. It exists because I needed to do something to mark the losses of my babies. Whereas other people will want to withdraw and they'll want to be really emotive and that their emotions will come through and they might be more intuitive grievers. We're all different and we can actually change over time, right? If you guys probably know a lot of this already, but it's the same for pregnancy loss. And I guess if you're in that relationship and you're not feeling like someone's grieving, maybe if you start to kind of look at behaviors and you try and find some labels around it, you can probably actually identify that you both are just in different ways. And this is one of our favorite topics because it is so Mm. important because I think people think grief presents itself as being, you know, there's a perhaps an image in society Mm. that grief is overly emotional and that you should be on, you know, on the floor in a curled up in a ball and rocking back and forth. And actually, like you say, like it's not that it's not always um it doesn't always present itself that way I'm very much like you I'm an instrumental um griever so you know I found a lot of kind of comfort and um I guess grieved via a to-do list when my mum died you know I I did the whole funeral managed all of her estate sorted all that out and and I needed to do that to process Mm -hmm. And to some people, outwardly, it might have looked like, oh, is she all right? You know, she's not, you know, crying. But for him, you were immobilized by your emotions, weren't you, Im? Yeah, it's a funny one. The more I, you know, learn, because we love the grieving styles, they're in our book as well, but I'm very much an intuitive griever, very much emotional. But then on the same coin, I did go and set up a podcast with Sal six months into my grief. So it's a spectrum, isn't it? And you can be a bit of a mix of both, but... But yes, I'm overwhelmingly an emotional griever, not so practical. It's really interesting, yeah. but I love... Fascinating. And it's good advice to pay attention. It really is, yeah. And then there's yeah. that judgment piece that you talked about, Sally, as well, that society expects us to just be, particularly with the loss of a child, it's expected to be a sad mum forever and just to be... And then you can also feel guilt when you finally have a baby in your arms and you've got this baby and there's joy and it can be really hard to be joyful again right and that's probably with a lot of grief as well but yeah there's there's so many things that we just have this one dimensional view of what grief should look like and we put it on everybody else and that's not often the case like I have had days where I couldn't get out of bed and I, I was really really like crying lots and an absolute mess but for me overwhelmingly I always felt better if I was doing something so I would constantly keep doing but it, it also that could be described as avoidance it's a right? minefield <laughs> it's so important to talk about though and I think that's why the work that you do yeah. you know connecting yes. peer support and having these conversations so that people mm. realize that it's normal and they're not alone and you know I think it's really important to know that the you know early pregnancy loss the impact can be long lasting like I've got a really good friend of mine who had a miscarriage and then she had and she fell pregnant again about six months later and uh, they they thought that she'd lost the baby and she they they basically there was no heartbeat Mm -hmm. um and she thought she was gonna like lose another baby and then they they found um the heartbeat i don't know quite know what had happened but the ultrasound didn't didn't pick 
pick it up um but she had such intense anxiety and she still has he's he's nearly a year old now but that she still carries that anxiety with her even though she has her baby Mm -hmm. you know the impact Mm -hmm. of of that experience and i think people don't realize that it is an ongoing thing that can have long-term yeah long-term effects how how could we cope if we are you know, anxious or it's impacting our day-to-day life, Sam, what things could people do? Yeah, I think we hear this quite a lot. I want to acknowledge firstly, like that first-hand experience of that. So when I had Johnny, finally after two miscarriages, I pretended the whole way through that pregnancy that I was fine. I wore the brave face and I did everything that society told me to do, which was to be happy, to be grateful. You finally got a baby in your arms. Um, during that period, we also lost our nephew in a car crash. We lost my father-in-law as well. Um, it was just one thing after another. It was horrific. Um, but I was, everyone, again, all of those things, you still expected to pick yourself up and carry on and carry on. And um, I remember the first four months of Johnny's life, I actually don't remember, which is really hard. One day you'll hear this. And it doesn't mean I love him any less. It's just that I was such an absolute mess and hadn't been given the support that I deserved or referred to a mental health professional for additional support because I was beyond peer support. I needed way more than that at that point Um, because society was telling me I should just be happy. I've got a baby in my arms. And I actually ended up with postpartum anxiety, um, intrusive thoughts continually that he would die. I wouldn't let anyone else hold him. It was awful it's just awful so i feel like we're we're doing people such an injustice when we know that if these things are happening to us then we have a duty of care for loved ones around us to watch out for some of these signs are they withdrawing more than normal are they kind of can you see that they're really actually wearing a brave face and actually that's not what they think at all you can see that they're slightly different behaviors and then if you are the person that's going through this knowing that it's okay to ask for help that grief is big messy and hard and you do not have to go through it alone and that can look like peer support it can look like doing things nice for yourself every day like putting your well-being first like going out for a walk outside in the sunshine if you're open to that and that would work for you everyone's different right it can for me journaling was a massive thing that helped um but everyone's different but also knowing that it can also take you to work with a therapist someone who's trained in mental health and bereavement to support you through this. I got to the point where I needed medication as well, and I'm not ashamed of that. I took anxiety medication in the end. And all of those things together helped me to get better. Like, And it doesn't remove the grief for any of those losses that we had during that time, but it, it did help me to find a way forward to cope. It was coping strategies, if you like. Mm, brilliant tips. And what can we do if we're friends and family and we haven't experienced it ourselves and mm. we're tiptoeing around the issue? Like how can people better support others going through this sort of thing? You don't need to tiptoe. And I'm, I think you're going to know this one as well. Like you can't make us any more sad than we already are. And our tears are okay. Our tears are a form of release. So if you say something that potentially we end up crying. Please don't feel like you've said the wrong thing. So the first thing is to be brave enough to have a conversation with us. Be brave enough to sit alongside us in our darkness and hold our hands and not expect anything from us. Do things like send your friend a message saying, I'm thinking of you, no need to respond. 
drop a hot meal off, leave it on their front door, take care of older children if they've got them. Do those things that require absolutely no response from them. And also remember to keep doing them six weeks and months later. Don't just stop a week after when we have this this really awful warped timeline of grief that seven days later we're fine. No, keep checking in on them. Think of things like baby showers, Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, all of those milestones that are surrounded by happy children. We're coming up to one now. We're going to start heading into the Christmas period. Everyone's going to be posting cute pictures of their kids in Christmas outfits. Mm -hmm. If you've just lost a baby, that can be incredibly triggering. So they might withdraw, withdraw and not be on social media anymore. And that's okay. And that's good for them. But don't forget about them. Check in with them. Offer to do something. Go for a walk with them, maybe. Go to a coffee shop with them. Um, you're not going to be able to avoid triggers, but be sensitive. If there is, like, you're approaching a coffee shop and there's a table with women and babies on it, don't sit right next to that table. Go and find another table, right? But these are the things that we hear that happen again and again every day from our community. So it's just having that extra thought around the thing that they want the most is a baby in their arms. They've just lost their baby. So if you can help them in any way without them feeling like the oldest to ask for help themselves, you're going a long Absolutely. way. Absolutely mic drop sam they are incredible important tips and i think it's just being mindful isn't it just really paying attention to your surroundings you know like you said not sitting down if there's somebody with a newborn you know just really really making um taking extra care to pay attention to those things because they do really make a big difference and sam you have launched an incredible campaign can you please tell us what your goals are what you're calling on people to do and how they can get involved Awesome. Um, so as you probably know now, I have been founding Leading Pink Elephants for nearly eight years and it's time for change. So I have seen time and time again over the last years where it is not changing quick enough. It's not happening. And whilst we might have a slight bit of progress, like changing the legislation um, with law to ensure that people have got bereavement leave, everything else is still going at snail's pace and it's not good enough. Women deserve better. So we have proudly launched the Miscarriage Rebellion. The rebellion is all around invoking empathy and inciting action. We're asking people to join us and to sign our petition. You can find it via Pink Elephants and the Miscarriage Rebellion. Um, I'm sure it'll be linked as well in the show notes, but join us, sign the petition. The petition will allow us to lobby government for more funding, for more support for early pregnancy loss so that everyone has access to a circle of support when they go through a miscarriage. We can't continue to do this alone. We can't meet these demands. I'm heartbroken every time we put expressions of interest out for one of our programs. We have to turn around 60 to 80 women away because we don't have the funds to run more of those programs. So we urgently need this funding. But the Miscarriage Rebellion is also a movement. It's a movement to challenge these false narratives. It's time to say enough is enough. There is no at least it happened early. My baby died and I deserve support. What an important cause, Sam. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. And we're going to be releasing this episode on Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. So if anyone who is listening is resonating with this, we are all sending you so much love and definitely go and check Thank out you, those resources. Sam. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. As always, a huge thanks for tuning in, guys. We really hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode. And before we go, we have a little favor to ask. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen to your podcast, as it really helps other grievers find us too. Until next time. 